Hi, all of you awesome scuba divers out there. Welcome to the Scuba Diver Magazine podcast. This week, one of Australia's oldest shipwrecks is open for scuba diving again. Uh, thresher sharks have been spotted off the coast of Wales, which is pretty cool. Uh, and not just in the water, they're actually jumping out of the water in a very unique photo. Um, a new scuba diving movie is also making headlines, and the death of a killer whale in Miami is making waves. But first off, the Australian state government has announced that it is ditching restrictions on sport divers hoping to explore some shipwrecks. For more than 20 years, Department of for Environment and Water, the DEW, uh, required permits to be able to dive within 550 metres of HMAS Hobart, but this protected zone has now been removed. The 133 metre long destroyer, uh, it was originally constructed in Michigan, in America, I believe, um, and then it was parts, it was sunk off the coast of Australia in 2000, I believe. It's a relatively um, uh, new shipwreck, shall we say. Uh, 2002, the 5th of November, uh, she was towed from Port Adelaide to Yankilila Bay and sank upright in uh, fewer than three minutes, apparently, through controlled flooding. And she sits at a depth of 30 meters and the the shallowest point uh, reaches about eight meters from the surface. So perfectly situated and a great scuba dive. The following month, Hobart was declared a historic shipwreck and the protected zone was set up, although a 12-month diving permit was not regarded as difficult for wreck, uh, wreck divers to obtain. So it was just you had to jump through certain hoops to get the right paperwork to be able to go diving on it. Uh, but yeah, it's just, okay, you got to get a permit for that. Um, although scuba diving no longer requires permission, other prohibitions such as fishing are maintained within Encounter Marine Park. Obviously, you can't go fishing around there. Uh, they say that this is to ensure continued protection of the marine life that calls the shipwreck home, said uh, DEW Marine Park's regional co-coordinator John Emmett uh, of the well-populated attraction. So good news. Uh, it just makes it a little bit easier to go scuba diving on a uh, purposefully sunk shipwreck. And uh, and yeah, they're, they're still protected protecting it as such it's just you don't have to uh yeah go out of the way to go through all the paperwork and get a specific permit to be able to go scuba diving on it uh you can just kind of rock up as and when uh but yeah obviously no fishing um closer to home here in the uh, in the uk a thresher shark has been spotted um off the coast of wales this isn't the first time that we've seen thresher sharks um that they, they are very very elusive even in clear waters but they have been spotted around British waters previously, but sightseers on a dolphin spotting boat trip in Cardigan Bay got a thrill when a thresher shark, estimated to be around five metres long, took to the air in front of them. It properly breached out of the water. Uh, thresher shark, for anyone who doesn't know, is the one with the really, really long tail that they use as a bit of a corral and a bit of a whip as well to, uh, to catch smaller fish. Guide and photographer Joshua Pedley was on the one-hour trip out of Newquay in uh, Keredigion, I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, Keredigion. Um, and despite being in shock 
when the shark suddenly leapt out of the water in front of him, he did manage to zoom his camera into where it splashed down and caught an epic shot when it jumped again two more times. So it was obviously hunting something or just having a bit of fun jumping out of the water. Uh, but yeah, thresher sharks, they have been spotted in Cardigan Bay before. It's kind of on the north-ish coast of, uh, of Wales. And there was a sighting last year, um, but yet yeah, there's still a pretty rare sighting. Uh, they're tough to see, like, in the water. I mean, I've been on um, on dives in, like, Malapasqua to specifically see thresher sharks. And, yeah, you can kind of see them at, at a distance. They, uh, they don't like to come too close. They like the deeper, colder waters, uh, which is probably why they like the waters around the UK. Uh, but yeah, if the visibility isn't great, then you have very little chance of, uh, of spotting one, especially on open circuit. Uh, but it's nice to know that they're, they're about, there's something a bit more, uh, exotic around in our waters. So, um, yeah, keep, keep your eyes out. Something else new uh, that's popped up. The first time I saw it was on um, on Reddit, so, um, uh, the the scuba Reddit, and it's a new movie that's coming out on uh, Friday, I believe, the twenty uh, fifth of August, and it's called The Dive. Now I half feel like I've seen a trailer for this before, but having actually watched the uh, the trailer, it's again it feels kind of different but yeah it's called the dive it's a new scuba diving movie and it stars sophie lowe from medieval and louisa krauss from billions with much of the footage uh, both underwater and on the surface being shot in the popular diving destination of malta though the uh, the actual specific location is is never actually mentioned uh, it is just a hypothetical uh, place obviously it's directed by maximilian erlenwein the dive focuses on two sisters drew and may whose dive together off the rocky shoreline is abruptly caught short when a landslide above water sends a cascade of boulders down on top of them leaving one of them trapped underwater at 28 meters by the debris it's it's yeah it's kind of a mixture between um oh what is it I've got 28 days. No, it's 127 hours where the uh, where the poor chap gets his arms stuck under a rock. Uh, only that was based on real events. I don't believe this is based on real events. Um, now, of course, the uh, the the main part of the uh, the story follows a frantic race against time as a remorselessly dropping levels of air and cold temperatures put the trapped diver's life in danger, and the sister goes to increasingly desperate means both above and below the waterline as she fights for her sister's survival. Uh, so, from what I can tell on the um, uh, the trailer. Yeah, they're both wearing full face masks, of course, so that they can talk to one another. Uh, you can see a um, plenty of shots of a Shearwater Terek, but it looks like they've removed the Shearwater logo from it um, for whatever reasons. And yeah, she, she basically gets her leg, uh, spoilers uh, for the trailer, um, she gets her leg trapped under a rock and then the, the, the sister who doesn't seem to be the... Um, uh, the, the competent diver of the uh, the two, she seems relatively new to uh, to the sport. Uh, she has to go back up and uh, and get more 
or cylinders, try and bring them back down. Uh, I don't know how they managed to uh, to swap over the cylinders underwater uh, whilst in full face masks. I don't know whether they swap them over or whatever. Um, but yeah, they're, they're in the middle of nowhere. And it's that sort of prime thing of just kind of like, right, just make sure that everyone knows like where you're diving and make sure that you have like an, an accident uh, or an incident slate so that you can know exactly who to call just in case anything happens uh yeah you're covered and you can call emergency services to come and help you because yeah time is of the essence our editor mark evans actually got to uh, see an early um screening of the uh, of the film and uh, and his review was i'll be the first to admit my heart always sinks when i see the release of a new quote diving movie uh, as inevitably they will involve some lousy cgi sharks an improbable storyline and totally unbelievable diving situations think 47 meters down and the like so it was more than a little refreshing to find that the dive has none of this it's pretty much a two-hander between the two female leads with the camera firmly focused on them and their complex personal relationship and then the perilous scenario to find themselves in underwater when a routine dive goes horribly wrong some of the topside and underwater set pieces are a little formulaic and the source of the pre-dive tension between the sisters ends up being a bit lame once you get to the bottom of it but overall i enjoyed the dive malta's distinct scenery is nicely showcased there are some genuinely taut moments and while i'd already worked out a few elements leading to the dramatic ending a macgyver-esque use of non-diving equipment made me smile this is not a shiny all singing all dancing big budget hollywood underwater thriller in the mold of into the blue for instance this is very much a low budget indie production but it is awesome to have a diving movie that is trying something different rather than the tired hackneyed plots of most of the regent garbage to sully my eyeballs um it isn't all new though uh, it seems to be a remake of 2020's swedish thriller breaking surface which again revolved around two sisters with a strange relationship one trapped by a rockfall underwater and the other struggling to rescue her even down to some of the particular set pieces that's probably why I felt like I'd seen the uh, the trailer before. Uh, apparently, none of the dives underwater sequences involve CGI. That's quite nice to see. And neither of the two leads had any previous diving experience. That's impressive um, to um, to sign up for an acting role and you know both roles take a lot of time underwater he goes on to say they actually look very relaxed and confident when they're diving and it's nice to see some decent equipment being used uh, i'm one of those sad people who look at the gear on any divers in the movies uh, i do it as well uh, i think as soon as you become you know, like part of the diving industry uh, or even just a passionate diver you end up looking at other divers equipment and just going hmm what, what are they wearing Mark says, hats off to Louisa and especially Sophie, who managed to convey emotion, panic, fear, desperation, and elation when in a very limiting environment. Even with their Steve Batchel-like full-face mask allowing them to speak to one another, with most of the shocks being dark and underwater, they had to go above and beyond to keep your attention firmly rooted on their dire situation, and they did a sterling job indeed. Yes, we all know there will be those dives 
divers out there who will leap on some of the more fanciful diving situations. But in the end of the day, this is a movie. It's not a factual documentary. Um, so give the director and his two leading ladies a break. Uh, set aside your disbelief and just tuck into your popcorn and enjoy the dive for what it is. Uh, so, yeah, so that's being released on, on Friday the 25th. Yeah, I know what he means by the um, the Steve Bakshel, um full face masks because on I think every single full face mask that I've ever worn you have this uh, separate pocket that covers up your nose and your mouth uh, and you don't have these little lights on the inside that illuminate your face uh, because there's no real need to have just lights shining in your face um, but with these ones yeah it's the big front um, pane of glass so you can see pretty much the entire actor's face um and yeah, it's obviously for the movie, but um, but yeah, uh, if you're interested, I'll uh, I'll put a link. There's going to be links all down in the in the description below. Uh, but yeah, a new scuba diving movie out there. I'll be interested to um, uh, to see it as soon as I can get my hands on a copy. Um, this week also saw the loss of a killer whale at Miami Sea Aquarium. Uh, the death in the United States of Lolita, the killer whale that at 57 had become the longest lived in captivity, has provided an opportunity for animal rights campaigners to remind the public of the consequences of continuing to support marine mammal performances. The orca's death comes shortly after the first set of standards for retired marine mammal sanctuaries was announced. She died as she lived after spending more than five decades imprisoned by the Miami Seaquarium in the smallest, bleakest orca tank in the world, deprived of any semblance of a natural life, says US-based charity Peter. Um, when it opened in 1955, Miami Seaquarium in Florida was the world's biggest marine life attraction. Aged just four years old, Lolita was one of a number of killer whales taken from the wild in 1970 and sent to SeaWorld parks. And she lived at Miami Seaquarium without any other orcas for company from 1980. So it's quite a sad story. Through popular demand, the practice of keeping killer whales, dolphins and other marine mammals in tanks for public entertainment is slowly winding up in many parts of the world, with coastal sanctuaries being established so that ex-performers can be retired there. Unlike such facilities for circus land animals, however, no standards have been set for cetacean sanctuaries, but now the first guide to best practices has been published by US-based charity, the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries, or GFAS. And Executive Director Valerie Taylor says these guidelines were established through the combined efforts of top cetacean experts. They signal a defining moment for the future of captive cetaceans across the globe. GFAS says that it's the only global recognized body providing standards for identifying legitimate animal sanctuaries. Its guidelines have been produced through a collaboration with the Sea Life Trust and Whale Sanctuary Project Charities, Merlin Entertainments and the US National Aquarium. So hopefully there might be a, a more a more happy ending uh, for other killer whales who are uh, who are still in these kind of sea world environments. Um, but uh, yeah, of course, animal rights activists are all uh, sort of placating outside of Miami Sea Aquarium, um, basically with, with signs saying that she deserved to be free. Uh, captivity killed Lolita. Uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's an awful uh, environment for them to um, to just live in. There's also a lot of calls that um, 
uh, that she and a lot of the dolphins weren't being fed properly as well. Uh, I don't know how accurate those uh, those accusations are, but hey, it just brings that story back to the uh, the headlines, and uh, and yeah, hopefully some change can be made for the future. Uh, looking at dive equipment, new stuff. There were two new announcements from Santi. Uh, Santi has the Kango, which is a new undersuit, and they also have. I think they just called it the uh, the Crew Poncho. Um, so the Kango is a new undersuit, and. I think it was the dive poets who pointed out that they're like not I wouldn't say copying but it's it's hard to uh, to see the differences between um the uh, the Kango and the uh, the Halo AR but the main similarity really is in that that front zipper instead of being straight down the chest like you typically see on on most undersuits or even diagonally across the chest this one goes like around the circumference of your chest if that makes sense it starts off on your uh, your collarbone and then it goes down around your uh, your pectoral and then straight down your uh, your rib cage to one side so you get this big panel on the front instead of a zipper straight down the front uh something else new uh they call it an uh, i think an, an anorak pocket on the chest so you get this chest mounted pocket for anything essential uh there's also another one on your side as well as traditional um like waist pockets and there's also one uh, on the uh, on your backside. so plenty of storage places this is very useful when you're on the surface obviously you take the top half of your dry suit off uh that dangles down but then you need to like get your car keys and your wallet and, and bits of paper and stuff uh it is helpful to have those uh those storage areas and um and yeah it's it looks like a decent um, all-in-one undersuit. Uh, it's made of uh, of Polytech material, which you tend to see on a lot of um, dry suits. Uh, Five hundred thirty-six gram, uh, so good uh, good warmth and flexibility. Uh, they say it's made with the highest density Polytech stretch fleece, designed to provide the desired level of warmth, maximum flexibility and comfort. This suit is an ideal companion for exploring cold and moderate water depths for shorter and recreational dives. So it's your like autumn, spring kind of suit, um, where the like BZ400 is probably a bit more... Um, a bit warmer still. Uh, this one's a little bit lighter, but not as light as their Flex 190. Um, but yeah, it looks like a decent suit. Um, well constructed. Santi stuff is always uh, is well constructed and uh, highly regarded. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'd like to get my hands on one, see just how warm it is. Uh, not quite yet because it's uh, we're still going through a touch of a heat wave uh, where I am. And uh, gosh, it was hot yesterday. And I'm doing that uh, that seal dry suit, so uh, yeah, having to wear a dry suit is uh, is pretty tough in uh, in this heat. But I'm I'm managing, and then you get all the studio lights as well um, that just increase the heat. Um, but anyway, the uh, the second one is a, a poncho. Again, the dive poets sort of said, "Oh yeah, obviously, uh, fourth element make a poncho." Santi make a poncho, uh, fourth element make this uh, this undersuit with this particular zip, and then Santi make it. Uh, it's not. It's it's like saying, oh, your your car looks like a Maserati. It's it's hardly a bad thing to uh, to emulate. Uh, but yeah, uh, another poncho. We're seeing more and more 
ponchos uh, for uh, for scuba diving, and it makes sense. They do make your life so much more comfortable on uh, on the boat or on the uh, on the shore after you're getting changed, especially out of a wetsuit. Less so on a dry suit. Um, I don't think I've ever used a poncho um, getting out of my dry suit. It's uh, it feels a bit superfluous. Uh, all you have to do is just dry your hair, and you're pretty well done. Uh, unless it's raining, in which case you just stay inside of your um, uh, your dry suit. But yeah, uh, Poncho Crew, it's traditional like Santee black and mm, not too much detailing. I've got one of their, um, uh, what was it, Eagle Expedition jackets and you do feel like you've got Santee kind of printed on you quite a lot. But this one's quite reserved. You've got a little Santee just on the, uh, the front of your neck. You've got the Santee badge on your uh, on your left bicep and then on the back it's... Um, it just has in like muted black uh, more than diving, um, which, yeah, it's not that intrusive. But traditional poncho, if you have a look at the, um, it looks a lot like the fourth element storm poncho in black. You've got the little pockets on the front, uh, poppered uh, lower section, big sleeves as well. And um, yeah, it's just something to throw on when you're setting up your dive kit or between dives, just to protect yourself from the elements uh, so that you're decompressing properly and uh, and you're a bit more comfortable. Uh, large kangaroos type front pocket fastened on both sides with press studs, side front zipper, uh, wide sleeves, adjustable Velcro, um, waterproofness, 5,000 millimeter wp uh sean would be better to uh, to say whether that's very good or average uh but yeah it's it's waterproof so if you get some rain on you uh you're gonna stay dry on the inside as far as things that i've been working on uh yeah the seal sl01 dry suits uh, i've been playing about with that uh nice dry suit um it's not the cheapest dry suit out there but when you look at all of the little features and the construction really really nice um i think i say in my review there's definitely going to be one on my christmas list um i'm kind of looking at my dry suit and kind of praying it develops a leak uh just so i can justify buying one myself um only comes in black which may limit it a little bit um but because seal as far as i'm aware seal is basically a sister company to x deep uh with all of their project and their uh, their zen and whatnot you can get different colored uh materials of that um but you'd uh, you'd only get that on the like the shoulders i don't know i imagine they're working on different colors if it proves popular basically because every single suit is made to measure they don't do like standard small medium and large like most manufacturers um sort of make their they're all custom fit to every diver it wouldn't be that far outside of their wheelhouse to be able to um to make them like custom color like a lot of um uh, santi dry suits do when i say custom you can get like five different colors uh whereas the uh, the x deep wings and whatnot you can get plenty of different colors of that but right now it's just black um otherwise yeah i was working on diving in the philippines guide with aggressor liverboards um it's been a few years since I've been diving in the uh, in the Philippines, but yeah, if you are interested, I um, I released a video on Wednesday about that. 
This Saturday, we've got that top 10 odd things that scuba divers say being released. Uh, next weekend, I think, is going to be about gauge mode on dive computers. Uh, I, I was writing those a, a couple of weeks ago. I've only just got around to editing them. And we've had a few interesting Ask Mark questions. Uh, I think I'm going to stick to at least two of those a week just to uh, catch up on some of them because uh, my... my Questions are getting backlogged, uh, and I might cut some of the less interesting questions, shall we say. Um, previously, I've been doing every single question, but some of them it's quite hard to um, uh, to spend any great amount of time uh, answering those questions. So I'm kind of sticking to the more, more interesting ones, shall we say. Um, but still, I, I'm going to release them as like twice a week so that you do get some content uh, and i'm also removing that intro jingle uh it seemed to annoy people so i was like okay fine um it just cuts off five seconds and it, it does seem a little bit old-fashioned to have a uh, an intro jingle uh that's just something that we always used to do and it's quite fun making them uh but hey if uh if it bugs divers then fine they're around they are gone uh other than that that's about it yesterday i received a new phone case it's an underwater uh like phone case so that you can use your uh, your camera phone underwater um it's been on test with um uh, with some of the editors they've been playing about with it uh, i'm gonna do a an unboxing video and a, a general review and um this seems to be quite or more frequently common uh we're seeing more and more of these like underwater cases where you can take your phone underwater uh so i think yeah we're probably going to see more and it kind of makes sense because cameras on phones today are pretty darn good and it's something that most divers have with them uh it's just a matter of yeah finding a case that suits your actual phone because the the buttons are all in different locations obviously you can't use the touch screen when you're underwater uh and also just making sure that you still have like battery and obviously that seal is intact because can you imagine uh taking your phone on a dive and uh, and you see that little uh like water level slowly rise because there's like a grain of sand or a hair in that uh, that o-ring seal um but anyway uh yeah i'm going to be playing about with that and releasing a video of that in the upcoming weeks uh yeah stay tuned for that um that seal sl01 i know a lot of people have been um uh, quite keen to uh, to see that uh, i'm editing at the moment just getting all the uh, the close-up shots so you can get a good look and feel for the suit um but as a little sneak peek yeah i like it um i don't know when i'm going to release it i think it just depends on how long it takes me to uh, to edit it along with everything else that i need to be done um but anyway that is it for another week uh thank you for listening everybody um i hope you all have a wonderful week ahead of you um thank you for listening and of course safe diving